Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. So we had an incredible experience in Malawi, and there were a few verses of Scripture that the Lord kind of connected my heart with that experience that I want to share with you uh, briefly today in the time that I have remaining. Um, I'm going to have to just kind of skim these verses. Has anybody here uh, ever skipped a stone across a lake or a river or body of water? Okay, all right. Uh, For those of you too young to know what that means, um, before there were apps, there were sticks and rocks. (laughs) And... uh, And it's amazing how we could fill a day playing with sticks and rocks. Um, Some of my best artwork was me taking a stick and drawing in the dirt. And so so I'm going to kind of skim across those verses uh, as best I can. But what I'm praying and asking the Lord to do is to fill it up for you individually. Okay? My prayer is that it is um, meat that falls off the bone for you. That whatever I don't say, God still speaks in your spirit. That, that's my description of when I listen to Pastor Troy preach. That's what I enjoy about his preaching is that it's, it's meat falling off the bone. Because I'll write notes and write stuff that he didn't say. It didn't, it didn't come from him, but he opened the door for me to be listening to the spirit. And it'll just, you know, be flowing and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and, and that's my prayer is that every time... I get a chance to share the word that that's what it's like for you, is that it's just, God is just making it so available for you, okay? And so, what I got a chance to meet, I'm still talking about meat, I must be hungry, maybe that's a, I got to find a different word there. Um, let me tell you this, we went to Michigan recently, and, uh, and this is probably what put the picture in my head, uh, we were with my wife's sister, and our brother in love, and so we went out, and they, they know I like ribs. It was close to my birthday. They took us to a place, and plates in front of me, and I went to pick up the bone, and it just popped out. I was like, oh, my goodness. This, this is what it's like right here. This is, this is good living here. And so, um, so when we uh, went to Malawi, we got to encounter, meet, experience this particular group of people. The one that Jesus refers to as the least of these. Now understand, he's not calling them the least because they're insignificant, they're unworthy, they're not good enough, they don't measure up. It's the people that we meet, whether here or in Malawi, that are hurting, that are facing challenges. And Jesus has a heart that says, these are the ones that once you know me, these are the ones that I'm sending you out to minister to and to connect with. And Malawi is so uh, economically challenged that there was an abundance of encounters and situations with people who were challenged and struggling and, and yet, as we said in our presentation, so joyful and so loving and so giving. Um, our pastor uh, over there, uh, Abusa Paul Ketchenberry, um, along with his 
six children. He's taken in another six orphans to raise. And so we've, uh, when the Lord has allowed us occasionally, sent something to kind of support and help and just encourage. And even with all that, one night we're in our, our bedroom, which they gave up their room to go sleep someplace else in the house so that we'd have a room and that had a bathroom. And again, just, just giving. Um, knock on the door and they asked me to come out and asked my wife to come out. And they had a, a young man, young teenager who was a, a seamstress, a tailor. And uh, he took measurements of both of us. And this shirt I'm wearing was his gift to me. You know, and, and yet Jesus says, listen, I want you to be mindful of all of those lives that you can touch and impact. And folks, compared to, to the situation in Malawi, we are so abundantly blessed with all the things that we have. The things that we don't use anymore that are still in our houses. The things that we throw away, the things that we waste. Listen, let me, let me back up before I go further into the message. I am in no way desiring my words that I shared this morning to come across as trying to make you feel guilty about anything. I don't guilt preach, okay? Um, and, and I know pastor understands what I'm saying, you know. 30 years of preaching, you, you try to be mindful that I'm not trying to manipulate, I'm not trying to twist arms, I'm not trying to make you do something out of compulsion just because I said you should and you weren't. That, that's not what I want to do today, okay? But what I have learned over 30 years of preaching is that there are some things that Jesus says in his word that are pretty straightforward and there's really no way around them unless you're avoiding preaching the whole counsel of the word of God. I know that in my years of pastoring, you know, you, you tread lightly on those offering tithing sermons. You know, you just do because they sound self-serving because the church is giving you a salary and so you can, but you know what? If you don't share with people, what sowing and reaping really is about and what it is to show, sow sparingly or to reap sparingly, they miss out on a blessing. And so sometimes we just kind of have to grin and bear it, preach it and move on and, you know, and, and just kind of deal with it. But Jesus never had that trouble. That's what I love about Jesus. He would sit down and he would just share what he needed to share because he knew the people needed to hear it. And so Matthew chapter 25 Verse 31 is where we want to begin. Uh, and as you're finding that, let's, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to, to, share, uh, to share our experience in Malawi, the time that we spent with you and with the people of Malawi. Thank you for my wife and the blessing that she was as she ministered to the people, ministered to me. Uh, we're just so grateful. And Lord, I just ask now that you would allow me to minister to your people, to just share your truth, to just share your word, to just encourage their hearts, uh, to stir them, Father, in their conversation with you, to stir them in their ongoing walk and ongoing journey with you each and every day, Father. We thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 25. Um,
When I got a chance to go to Malawi, and this, is, this was our second time, we went in 2017, and then we just went uh, a month or so ago. Um, this second experience was a lot, for me personally, a lot deeper and a lot more informative and a lot more meaningful because it wasn't just simply structured in the context of the church or a conference or that sort of thing. We actually went out into villages and walked through the brush to where people were at. Um, and by the way, the people of Malawi have an internal GPS system that is just absolutely amazing. We're walking through the woods, we turn on this dirt path, we go a little bit further, we hang right at the tree, and then there's a house. And I'm like, how in the world did they find this? And my wife joked at one point, she's like, oh, can you, so could you lead us back out of here? You know, and I just kind of smiled and said, eh, we'd probably be here a while. Trying to wander, you know, there was no North Star to point the way or anything. It was just, it was absolutely amazing. And so we would go out into the villages and we got to see people where they were and challenged with what they were challenged with and, and face what they were facing. So Jesus says here, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit down on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on, on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of world from from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Let me pause right there. Jesus identifies himself with the least of these. Love that. He's the king of glory. He's the creator of the universe. And if anyone would have had the right to be walking the streets and proclaiming himself in a grand way, it would have been Jesus. But he identified himself with these. And he said, when you do these things to my brothers, the least of these, then you're doing them unto me. He connected himself with those who are the least. So, so here's, here's the first challenge. When you are driving along and you see someone and they're out begging and they are holding up a sign, what do you see? How are you making a connection with that individual? Let me show you what happens sometime. Let me keep reading. Verse 41, then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for you or for the devils and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick or in prison and you did not visit me. 
Then they, will, and then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or, in prison, or sick or in prison and we did not minister to you? And he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Folks, listen, again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to say that every uh, person you see on the side of the road home, holding up a sign, you're supposed to roll down your window and empty your wallet, put them in your car, take them anywhere. We, we live in times that aren't safe, and we obviously need to use some discernment when it comes to those kind of things. But I think what Jesus is more concerned about and what I'm more concerned about because I'm looking at myself and I'm looking at where I've been at various times and seasons in my life, is what's your heart doing in those moments? What is your heart doing in those moments? If I pull up next to someone and they're standing there with a sign, can I at least look them in the face and smile at them? If my window's already down, can I not at least strike up a conversation and greet them? As believers, we don't show our best face when we pull into those situations and we do all we can to avoid looking at that person. Been there. Maybe I'm the only one. And you don't even have to tell me. <laughs> Why do we do that? Do we not see Jesus connecting himself with those people in need? Oh, there have been times I've been so quick to stand in judgment of how, how that person got in that situation. And so my reluctance to in any way help them or minister to them or, or help, you know, hand them anything or support them has been based on whether or not I've decided whether or not I think they deserve to be in that situation. How hard are they trying? Are, are they... I pull up and I see what looks like an able-bodied man standing there and I think to myself, why aren't you out looking for a job? Why aren't you out working? There's a sign right down the road. I passed it on the way to get to where you are at right now that says they're hiring. Why aren't you down there? Why are you out here begging? And you know what, folks? There probably are a few people out there just being lazy, and taking advantage of the generosity of others that are playing on the guilt of Christians. But that's not our concern. Ours is, does my heart reflect the heart of Jesus in whatever situation I am in? Maybe if I engage in the conversation with the person, I might find out how they got in that situation. And then maybe I could offer them more than just a dollar. Maybe I could point them in a direction to get some help, get some support. But I can't do that if I shut my heart off to that person. I can't do that if I decide already, I've already judged their worthiness to receive my grand and gracious help. And that just flies so much in the face of what Jesus is teaching us as believers. I honestly think that if someone is caught up in themselves, caught up in their stuff, that that's what occupies their days, 
that they're worried about, you know, their things and their possessions, they need to take a trip to Malawi. They need to see when, when you know, our, our, our children oftentimes will over-exaggerate a little bit. I don't know where they get that from, but they sometimes over-exaggerate. And lunch is five minutes late because mom's doing laundry and she was trying to mop and trying to vacuum. And so it's not on the table exactly when they thought it should be. And their response is that they are starving. I'd really love to pack them up and take them to Malawi. Really would. I'd like them to see... As we were walking through the village, we came across five orphans. We mentioned that in the video. I'm not one that is given much to crying. I just never have been. I cried when I met them. The 15-year-old whose face I'm touching, he's crying right now. And I just wanted to offer him some comfort as I then started crying. He's 15, and he just looks so tired, so weary from trying to take care of his siblings. He's 15. He has a brother that's 11. And there's two twin girls that are nine. And there's a two-year-old, the little fella in the picture there. And the little fella appeared to be sick when we were there. Body was covered with sores, and he just, he just didn't look well. And so we, they, they, they were one of the families identified by the chiefs, and so we you know, shared the gospel there, and we you know, presented them with the, the, the water pail that's for going to the well and pumping water and bringing it back, and, and some food and things like that. And, and uh, I, I refused to take pictures of their, the, the chiefs always invited us when we were at any village, take as many pictures as you want, share the story, we want people to know, um, and we appreciate you coming, that sort of thing. I stepped inside where they were living and I refused to take pictures of it. I just, I just couldn't do it. And we spent some time there with them there, what's left of their home because it's disintegrated from the rain. Um, maybe is around the size of this little corner right here. Dirt floor. There were a couple of kind of tattered blankets that were on the ground when we stepped inside. And so we left there, and I'm in tears, and my heart is just breaking, and I'm hearing Christ say, you know, you didn't visit me. You didn't feed me. And so I'm thinking, there's got to be more that we can do. And so my wife and I talked about it, and we've personally decided that we want to try to send some support each month 
to try to help them in their situation. The gentleman in the light blue shirt with the white collar, that's Abusa Samuel. They live in the, the area where he is at. And so he has become our personal liaison. That anything we send through Abusa Paul gets to him and he gets it to the, to the orphans. So we left some, some funds there and asked him to buy some things for them and so he did that. And they, they are amazing at stretching a few dollars and he got them not only food, but a couple of the kids needed you know, clothes and, and supplies for school. And, and so they did that. And, uh, and so we came back to visit them a second time before we left. That was very important on my heart to see them again. The 15 year old was at school when we went the second time, but we got to see the little ones and the, the little fellow was still a little bit sick. And um, so after we came home, um, the trip was long and it, it was tiring because we're just, you know, we're not used to going at that pace and, and, and doing that sort of thing. Um, we climbed up a mountain uh, for some prayer time because they do this all the time. We made it part of the way up. <laughs> Our goal is that the next time we go, we'll actually have the stamina to make it all the way up. Okay. It's really a different life there. They just, they walk all the time. They ride bikes. You know, they're in much better condition than, than I am. <clears throat> and so we came home very weary, very tired. I, I took a shower and I fell on my king-size bed. And my heart just crushed the moment I hit the mattress. And I thought, there are five orphans that are going to lay their face in the dirt tonight. And when the Holy Spirit prompted me, it wasn't a guilty thing. It wasn't like he was trying to make me. He just reminded me of where he, what he has said in his word what we had experienced, that we didn't run into them by accident. This was part of the picture that God allowed us to experience. And so I got up that next morning and communicated with them through messenger because when we were out traveling around, everything, you know, 80% unemployment in Malawi. So everyone's kind of got their own little flea market sort of thing going. They're selling vegetables, they're selling charcoal, they're selling whatever they can sell. Um, they will use what money they have to buy something from a bigger group and then they resell it sort of thing. And when we were in the city, we saw this place that had a stack of foam mattresses for sale. So I contacted them and I said, how much were those foam mattresses? So they sent me the price. And I'm calculating the space of the house. And I, the sad part is I realized that two twin mattresses would probably not quite fit in the space that they had. But that's what we got. So my wife and I sent the resources to, to get them some mattresses. And, and with the money beyond the price of the mattresses, uh, Abusa Samuel got some blankets because we asked him to get some more blankets for the kids and get some food and, and things like that. And at one point in the video, there was a picture of them laying on the mattresses and kind of rolling around on them and, and things like that. And so we asked about... Um, the youngest one, the two-year-old, Preston is his name. 
And they said he was still sick. And we had asked him when we were there, had you taken him to the hospital? And it sounded like they had, but they didn't really get any help, you know. And so we, we didn't know what to think of that. So when we asked the second time, they said, well, we don't have the money for transport. Because transport means you walk out of the village down to a main road and you catch a van to wherever you're trying to go. And they didn't have the money for transport. And so we asked them, well, how much is transport? And so the reason that they had not taken Preston, who was obviously sick, to the hospital is because they didn't have two dollars. Two U.S. dollars. just hearing Jesus just speak just say the, the verse that my wife pointed out as the verse that was impactful to her is that we need to love one another as he has loved so we sent the, the, the resources to for them to take him and we sent some additional money because we figured once they got there there'd be costs for the doctor and anything they came across well they got him there, and, we got, and they're very good about reporting back. And so they reported back, and they said that Preston has some type of skin disease. He's covered with spots, and we suspect it might be a form of leprosy. We're not completely sure. They haven't quite clarified that for us yet. But Preston, the little fellow there, is HIV positive as well. So they told us what the treatment plan, he's malnourished, no surprise there. But they told us the treatment plan and what it would take and, you know, I asked them to get the costs of everything and so they told us and so we started praying about it and, and God just showing his heart in such a wonderful way. Two days, within two days later, they wrote me back and they said, oh, Abusa James, oh, what a blessing and stuff like that. Um, the secretary of the church knew a doctor and that doctor came and talked to Abusa Paul about the situation and so he's going to do the treatment and get him the medicine for uh, substantially less than what the hospital had quoted and there was a nutritional supplement that uh, is popular throughout Africa in the schools it's kind of a porridge to help the kids that are malnourished so they have food when they come to school and that was what they were recommending and uh, we'd gotten a price on what that would cost and they told us, they said, well, the doctor also has access to that, and he's agreed to give that to Preston for free. And folks, sometimes all it takes is just caring a little bit. We haven't transformed their world. They're still facing what they're facing. They still have the challenges. He's still sick. Boy, it makes such a difference when you just care. When you have that heart that Jesus is talking about, to look at the least of these and say, I want to do something. If they're hungry, I want to feed them. If they're naked, I want to clothe them. If they're sick, I want to visit them. Next slide, please. And so James chapter 1, verse 27. 
oftentimes when we hear the word religion, it, religion has now gotten a really bad connotation with people. But the scripture actually uses the word religion because it then gives you the true definition of what it's supposed to mean. I know we want to replace it with relationship. I get that. But listen to what James 1.27 says. It said, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is Frank Aaron. Picture on the right shows what's left of his home after the flooding. He was one of the ones that the chiefs identified that we visited and we shared the gospel. He's all alone. He has no family. The gentleman sitting next to him with me in the other picture on the right, that's the booth of Matthew. He lives in the long way. He met us at the airport with uh, Abusa Paul, and then he traveled with us back to Blantyre and stayed with us the whole time. He's an amazing, amazing man with a wonderful heart. Um, really loves church planting and has done that, but just has a heart for people. And so after the gospel was shared kind of in a general sense, he sat down next to him and began to share the gospel with him again and just bring clarity to what was said and that sort of thing. And uh, Mr. Frank uh, received the Lord that day. This was the second time I cried in Malawi. And I just asked the Lord, what can we do? So I put our team to work and I said, what would it take to rebuild his home? They crunched the numbers and they figured out the material and again, very good about that. Very thorough. Arts are very genuine when it comes to that. And so they wrote me back and they gave me two, two versions of what it would take depending on materials and things like that. And one was about 1800 the other was about 2500 And uh, we had an opportunity since we've been back uh, to preach at another church and people from that church had given us support and so we kind of shared a little bit about uh, Mr. Frank and, and just asked people to be praying about him and about that situation and uh, a lady walked up after service and oh no she sent it in the mail with a note that said I want you to help Mr. Frank rebuild his house and she sent us a check for $1,500 and so we immediately took that and sent it over. We wired it over Western Union. And anything that we get that people are giving, we send all of it to the need. And then we cover whatever fees there are for the processing and stuff like that. So they didn't receive 1439 because Western Union took out this amount. They received 1500 and we covered what, what was missing. And so they are in the process right now of rebuilding his home. So I asked them before I had sent the money to go out and check on him and see how he's doing and, and that sort of thing. And they found him laying in the remains of his home and he had been there sick for three days and had not eaten for three days because he has malaria. He's one of over a million plus people in Malawi that have malaria. And he has the kind that's not going away. 
but what it does is it flares up every now and then. He'll go a while and then it'll just come on him and he gets just violently ill, flu-like symptoms, just wiped out. Now, here's the thing. If he doesn't go out each day and work, he doesn't eat because he gets food at the end of when he goes and works. So he had been laying there in his home for three days, not eating. So in addition to the money we sent to, re to rebuild, um, we sent some additional money to just, just get him something to eat, um, to try to help him out. What was a blessing was that when we sent Abusa Paul to see him, and they found him in this condition, they took it upon themselves with as little as they have, they took it upon themselves to, to feed him, to get some food, to get some things to be able to bless him with. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction. To go and see about them. And when they're hungry, feed them. When they're sick, visit them. One of the things, too, I wanted to mention, I'm about to close. One of the things I wanted to mention is that the need is so great there. Um, when we went to the, one of the camps, and this was a camp from people whose villages had been destroyed, um, <clears throat> in that particular village, people had climbed trees as the flood water was rising, and some of them were in trees for three days before a canoe or something came around to get them out of the trees, and they went for a week without eating. And this was just life all over Malawi. And they just kind of keep going. They just kind of, yeah, this is what it's like. We just keep going. And so we went to this camp, and there was about 1,500 people in the camp uh, that were displaced, that were homeless. And uh, when we heard about the camp, we had wanted to try to send something, and they just told us, it's just too much. It's too overwhelming. The little bit that you're going to send, a few bags of rice, isn't going to, you know, it's going to cause more problem than do good. And so they asked, could we take those to the villages? And then that's how we came across Mr. Aaron and some of those people. But I said I wanted to visit anyway. I'd like to just meet some of the people, just talk with them, okay? That got translated into I was going to preach for 1,500 people when I got there, okay? Unbeknownst to me. So, so we get there, and they took, they took hey, they had some sound system speakers and all that sort of stuff, and we got there um, and just shared the love of God with them. And, uh, and I understand technology glitches because the speakers went out as we were preaching to a tent of 1,500 people. So... Um, I had to use my outdoor voice. Next slide, please, as we get ready to close. The lady that you see wrapped in yellow is taking care of about eight to 10 children. She is a widow that we met in the village. She was born in 1915. I'll let you do the math on that one. Yeah. <laughs> she is 104 years old. And she's still taking care of orphans. And yet, as you can see behind her in the picture on the top right, her house was destroyed by the flooding. Visiting the widows and orphans in their affliction. Next slide, please. 
But let me wrap up with 1 John 3, 16 through 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed truth. I work as an elementary uh, school art teacher. And if you were paying attention over the summer, you know that they don't like to pay me very well. But you know what? Whatever God has blessed me with, I need to have a heart that says I can't look away from people that are hurting, that are in need, not be willing to bless them. Listen, when you're told to love your neighbor as yourself, think about it this way. If I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love me, doesn't that sound like kind of a 50-50 split? Doesn't this sound like whatever I have, I should be willing to give at least as much to the person that I'm trying to show love to? And I get the practicality of that. I get the math of that. I, I get all of that. And what I also get is Jesus saying, how much do you love? Because that's what matters. Not that I go sell my car, take the proceeds, split them in half, and he may or may not be calling any of us to do that. He may. But he may not. But what he's more concerned about and what he is calling all of us to is to examine our heart when it comes to how we love one another. And that begins with where is your heart? when it comes to Jesus Christ. Because we flew to Malawi, to New York, New York, to Johannesburg, Johannesburg, to um, Lilongwe, Malawi, we were off, on and off several flights and the same route coming back home. Blessed us to go visit family uh, up in Michigan. My mom's at a, I asked for prayers. Uh, my mom's in a assisted living and has dementia and Alzheimer's and it's increasing. Still recognizes us, but kind of also lives in this other little world. And so I wanted to get up and see her this summer before I started back to work. And every time we got on a flight, we got this same directions from the flight attendants. And they said that while we're flying, if anything happens and the cabin pressure drops, What's going to happen is an oxygen mask is going to come down from the ceiling. And you need to take the mask and put it on your face. The bag may not be moving, but you are receiving oxygen. And then here's the part that always... I remember when the Holy Spirit just kind of tapped me and awoke me to the, the correlation between that and our relationship with Christ. The flight attendant said, put on your mask first and then turn and assist others. 
We can't have the love of God that allows us to truly love and care for others if we haven't first received it ourselves. If we haven't first secured our relationship with Jesus Christ by surrendering our life, our agenda, believing that he died for our sins, that, that the blood of Jesus washed away all of our sins. If we haven't secured that first, you've got nothing of any substance, of any real value, of any real depth to give. Everything else is fleeting. Everything else is temporary. Everything else is, is fake. You have the real love. Then you can show the real love. And you don't have to then feel guilty. God will direct you how to do that. We are praying for these orphans. We are trying to, I even contacted Zach at Harvest Hope Home. And I said, hey guys, have you got another project in the works? They said, no, not right now. They haven't done one since we were there helping to paint one of the houses in 2017. I said, okay, then what would it cost for you to build another house, interview and get another set of parents? I said, because I got a family already put together for them. I got five kids. If they can just jump right in and have a, a whole family. So he said he'd get back to me on that. He hasn't yet. So I'm going to get back to him. Can't let this just drop along the way. I'm going to share something with you because you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think this is a safe place for me to be able to share this. My wife and I are even praying whether we should adopt those children. I have no idea how to even begin the process. Although I did went, I looked on the Malawi government website and adoptions between US and Malawi are an entity. They are legal, they are something you can do. had a birthday last month. I just turned 56. And the, and the, the thought of <laughs> pray for me. But you know what? Here's where I'm at. As challenging as that would be, as hard as it is for me to get up and off the floor by myself right now, let alone get down there with a two-year-old and play with him, I will do whatever God wants me to do so that he alone gets the glory for it. That's got to be where our heart is at when it comes to our relationship with God. Lord, what will you have me to do? When you're driving out of Walmart and that person is there with a the sign, Lord, what will you have me to do? How can I bless them? How can I just show your love to them? How can, can I just roll down my window and say, you know what? I see your circumstance is difficult, but I just got to tell you that Jesus loves you. And it, it may not necessarily feel that way at the moment, but he does. He loves you and he cares about you and he died for you. When I realized I could not go to that camp and take food enough to feed everybody, I thought to myself, such as I have, 
I give unto you. And I shared the gospel. At two separate camps, one 1,500, the other about 2,000 people. And that truly was the best thing that I could bring them, was the gospel. What's that? And what? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> My wife has reminded me that uh, 60 people, as a result of that, gave their life to Christ that day and came to know the Lord. And so, and that's all to God's credit, all to his glory. I don't know if I have any slides left on there at all. Okay. But what's God speaking to you today? What is the next step in terms of saying, Lord, I just want to surrender even more fully to you. Maybe today was an awakening for you that, you know what, boy, I still got a lot of selfish stuff that's going on in my life, and it's just about me, and it's about me worrying about me, and it's about me complaining about what things aren't going the way I want to. Lord, how do I break out of all of that? And do it your way. And do it in a way where it's like, you know what, Lord, today I don't even want to think about me. I don't want to complain about what I don't have. I don't want to complain about what I don't like. I don't want to complain about how hot it is, how cold it is. Lord, I just want to give you glory. Again, I want to take every single one of you to Malawi that's struggling in this area of your life so that you can realize there is no air conditioning in Malawi. Because there are houses that don't have roofs on them. They don't have windows. And we went during the winter, so it was, you know, mid-70s and cooled down to high 40s. But summer's coming. We took blankets, which is weird to think about taking blankets to Africa. But I want you to imagine sleeping out on the streets at 40 degrees. And tell me if you think you need a blanket. least of these. Who can you care for today? Who can you love on this week? Who can you bless in the months to come that would fit into the category? Someone who's struggling a little bit more than you are. Last story, and I know the time has run long. Last story. I got to tell you this one. When we went to the first camp, we're sitting up at the front of the, the camp, and the tent is full of people, and they keep moving them forward to fit everybody in. And there's an opening at the front of the camp here. So they're up singing and praising. You got a chance to witness what it's like when they're singing and praising and dancing and stuff like that. And we're just sitting there and just clapping and praising with them. And I looked over at the open flap kind of behind me, and there were children starting to gather. They were hearing the noise. They were hearing the singing. They were hearing the dancing. And so they were peeking in. Well, they were kids who were passing by. They were passing by the camp, going from home to school or school to home. They weren't a part of the camp. They were just passing through the village. Well, someone within the camp took it upon himself to grab a rod and run to the front of the tent and start whipping and hitting the children away from the opening of the tent because they weren't supposed to be there. And so this is how they decided to deal with that. And they're 
He's, and the kids are running and scattering outside the tent and stuff like that. And I am mortified. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. This can't be happening. I'm supposed to get up right now and preach the gospel and preach the love of Jesus. And I'm watching kids being beaten away from a place where we're supposed to be in here worshiping the Lord. So I quickly got somebody. I said, what is going on? And this has got to end, whatever it is. So they explained to me that they're not from here, they're passing by. I said, I don't care. Bring them in here, okay? Bring them in here, and if they want to come and hear someone singing about Jesus, bring them in and let them hear it. And so, and so the gentleman who was handing out the, the discipline, or whatever you would call it, when this word first got to him, kind of gave me a look as though you're all up in my business, and who are you, and you know, that sort of thing. And I gave him the reply look of, You want to find out? Come on, we can, you know, come on, Cletus, we can go outside and talk about this if you need to, okay? And so then something else got said and explained outside the tent, and then the next thing I see is he's escorting the children in, and he looks over at me, and he gives me this big ear-to-ear -ear smile and a thumbs up, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, all right, man. And they set him down front. And so it changed the opening of my message and I began to tell them that we have to suffer the little children to come to Jesus. They need to know about Jesus. There may be someone in this group of kids that was just walking by that today is the day. They're going to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. They're going to realize he died for their sins and gave his life. And I reminded them that as except we become as these little children will in no wise enter the kingdom. Thank you. God bless you.